This is Mission Disco, a conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. I am Simon Kilpatrick. And I am Brian Sanders. And we are your DJs for this conversation. Um, today on the podcast, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, microchurches, and more particularly a book that you have written mm. about microchurches. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, the idea of what microchurches are and then you know, why you wrote the book and how it might be useful. Talk a little bit through that. So it may span onto two podcasts, depending on how um, excited people get. Um, <laughs> maybe starting off, would you explain a little bit about yeah why you wrote the book? And then maybe we talk about what, what you, how you define what a microchurch is. Yeah, it started, I mean, really the project started with just <clears throat> us wanting to create a tool for our people to start a microchurch. So it was really meant to be a practical how to start a microchurch. That was the, and I thought maybe we'll just do a, like an ebook or something mm -hmm. like that, 50 pages or something. Uh, but I met a guy, um, uh, editor, publisher, who was saying, hey, can we work with you on something? And I thought... I don't, I, this is what I'm working on. So he got kind of excited and we thought maybe we'll do, maybe we'll work together. And he was really the one to push me to, to make it a full length book and to put in, essentially it's two parts. It's, it's the kind of conceptual theological ecclesiology, small ecclesiology, the subtitles, a smaller way. So thinking of the church as something possibly meant to be small. And making a case for that, a biblical, theological, and um, phenomenological case for the strength, the beauty, the elegance, the efficiency of smaller version of the church. <clears throat> and then the other, the other kind of motivator for me is just I actually went to speak at a at an event. Well, I won't say where it was somewhere in the southern states. And they were using the term microchurches. In fact, maybe part of the reason why they invited me was because they thought, oh, you do microchurches, we do microchurches. And the way they were using the term was was problematic for me. And so I realized, okay, this is just out now. You know, maybe when we started using it maybe 14 years ago, 15 years ago, I didn't know anyone that was using it. Um, not to say we invented it. I heard of other people I heard the term, um, but I didn't know any any communities that were using it, <clears throat> and so it felt very raw, very fresh, very you know malleable. But now it's out there. Maybe it's part of the nomenclature, and so um, I I kind of wanted to get on record <laughs> as to what it is, at least from from our um, from our point of view to be in the dialogue here, to be part of the discourse, to say, what is a microchurch? And, and maybe to have some kind of influence in that sure. question of definition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think whenever we, I make contact with you probably six, seven, eight years ago, I remember seeing the word on your website and then obviously meeting you and talking to you about microchurches. And it was that summer that I was, yeah, I had done a bit of research on church planting in Ireland and, looking at what that looked like and I think in some of the reading I'd come across mission communities and some other words that people had used but I hadn't come across microchurch and it was interesting 
seeing missional communities, and I think it was in the UK, I'd seen most of those are the example of those, but then seeing the difference then of what a microchurch is and even the difference between a microchurch and a missional community. But I think it might be helpful for, for people to explain a little bit what a microchurch is and how it's different to a small group, a Bible study, a prayer group. How would you kind of define the difference between those? Yeah, it's interesting too. I, I was thinking, just as you were talking, I was thinking of like fresh expressions, mm. which is another. So those are, I don't know what you'd call these, like cousins. You know, we're all, mm. God is at work in the world usually um, in similar ways and we don't necessarily know each other. We meet each other later. We realize, okay, it's just his sovereign hand sort of acting in time and space. And so, you know, someone like some, I don't know, people who are doing what they were calling missional communities, 3DM, SOMA, those mm. kind of things, the Fresh Expressions guys. <clears throat> it's very similar. You know, the heart is the same. Really, it's to it's to bring back mission into the smaller ex- communal, home-based, simpler versions of the church. Uh, it's it is to kind of reintroduce the concept of mission to small groups of communities of people Christians who love Jesus and are called by him to do something um, but you know it, it's also interesting to me of course I love those guys and in many ways we're we're the same you know but but why why we don't use the word church why why we were scared essentially maybe maybe that's not a fair statement but why why we're reticent to apply the word church to those things why we have to call them communities or expressions of the church Mm. as opposed to just just go for it just Mm. admit that's the church you know that but that in the end that's the question that's that that to me may be one of the most dangerous and provocative questions in the church in our time which is what actually is the church like, be brave enough to ask the question. I mean, and not not in some complicated way to say everything you can possibly think of, which the church should be, but to actually ask the the, the kind of irreducible minimum. Uh, in in business terms, it'd be like the minimum viable product. What is what is it that if you just did this, you'd deliver your thing? And so. I'd, maybe everybody would have a different answer to that question, mm. but maybe not. Maybe maybe we'd have, actually, if you said, do you need to have buildings? Do you need to have money? Do you need to have ordained leaders? Do you need to have, you know, I don't know, clearly spelled out governance models and stuff to be the church? You might say, well, Brian, all those things are important. Sacraments, those kind of things. All those things are great, and they're important, and they are. But would you would you absolutely have to have that and to, to see something, a group of people, and say that is the church, they are the church? So when you think about then small groups in a church, you're saying that they're, would you say they are church? Well, that's the question that I think everybody would have to answer. Like, what is the, the ecclesial minimum? And for us, the answer we came to, you know, whatever, maybe 12 years ago, was um, worship, that is the lordship of Jesus, community, a group of people who are really deeply committed to each other, and mission, somehow expanding the boundaries of the kingdom as the reason for existing. And when those three things overlap, it's the conflation of those three things. A community, so... You could say like 
missional community for me would just be two of the, of course, mm-hmm. that's not what they mean. They also would include worship, mm-hmm. you know, but worshiping community. A lot of churches are just worshiping communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not missional in any yeah. way. So, so you need kind of this tripartite uh, expression, definition, embodiment of the church. The Jesus has to be the thing for your your group or else you're not the church, you know. It has to be really about him. Uh, you have to know each other, right? You can't just be strangers to be the church. Mm-hmm. And then you have to care about the lost and the poor and those outside the boundaries of the kingdom, like light penetrating darkness. That is the work, the, miss- the missio day, the mission of God in the world through his church, right? So that, that, that idea that the, that the, it's not that the church of God has a mission, it's that the mission of God is given mm-hmm. to church so that the church is just meant to be the implementation of that mission in the world. So which one can you do without, you know? So I don't, I just don't see how you could say you are the church without those three things. But because they're so simple, when those three things can be expressed without a building, without a pastor, without an offering plate, without an organ, without a... So now you have a, a problem and an opportunity, which is to say a lot of things that maybe we would have thought wouldn't be church, we would have just called them a small group mm-hmm. or a life group or something like that or a cell. So you would say that maybe a Bible study or a small group would have two of those three, maybe worship and community, but wouldn't have mission. And then maybe a social outreach part of the church may have the mission part of it, but wouldn't bring the worship right, right into it. Right. That 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 may well be the case. So we might say some of those things are small groups. They're not really churches. But I'm part of what I'm saying is sometimes those things are the church. Mm-hmm. We just haven't called them that. Yeah. So they, they do have a clear sense of like, we love this neighborhood and we're trying to reach people. And, you know, a house church can be an example of that where you, you meet in a home, you you know, look at the word together, you worship, you share a meal, you really share each other's lives, bearing each other's burdens, praying for each other, uh, discipling each other, looking for healing, but also you're trying to reach your neighbors and bring them into the home. And that, Mm -hmm. to me, we might have said, well, that's just a home group. But actually, if if you're willing to accept our kind of simple three-part definition, we would say, no, actually, that is a church. And not just an expression of the bigger local church, but it's like, no, that's a church in all of its fullness mm. and its glory. Could it be more? Could it grow into more? Could it have more sophisticated systems and patterns? Could it own property and ordain leaders? And sure, that's be great, maybe. Uh, but it wouldn't need that to be seen by God when God looks down on the earth and thinks, okay, that's I have I have a church there. So you why know? do you think it why do you think it is that people are fearful of using the word church? Because I think in that summer visiting a few different places, the difference between what I saw from the outside, I suppose, looking at the difference between missional communities and microchurches, I think a lot of the missional communities were reaching similar people groups. So the church, whatever the church looked like, tended to be the people you they were reaching. And I think looking at the underground, there was a, it was much more diverse. There was people like that, but there was people reaching into parts of society that the church aren't normally in. And I think the main difference noticing was the mission communities felt still that they were under the authority of the church, which is probably a good thing. But I think some of the um, the difference between the, the microchurch was there was a little bit more autonomy. And I think the interesting thing as well was that there was the autonomy, but also there was a part of the underground that was there to support and facilitate those that it was 
that it was that parts and i think you, you maybe use a, a you call it a non-profit that it's its purpose there is to see these micro churches grow so there was nearly you have a network of churches you've called them micro churches whereas the network of mission mission community just feels different do you have thoughts on that as you've kind of experienced those things yeah i mean so there's really a couple of questions there one is the why um we don't we're reticent maybe to apply the word church and so uh, you know uh, maybe a more cynical answer to that question that has to do with power and control you know mm -hmm. that we we want if we're gonna if we're gonna invest resources train people launch these things out in the community with our people that belong to the sort of mothership church uh, we want them to kind of come back and show up on sunday morning we want them to give their money and so if you start calling those things churches, then that may be confused. People, mm -hmm. they won't be sure whether they're where they're supposed to be on Sunday morning and where their money is supposed to go. Um, so, you know, I understand that. I, I, I'm sympathetic to that, but I think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake from the vantage point of the actual thriving and flourishing of the church in the world. And also the, the I don't know, the affirmation of the priesthood of all believers that we we don't actually I don't, and I could I could make an argument have made the argument in the book to some degree that that the church actually isn't at its best when it's when it's in groups of five six seven hundred people that it's actually it's possibly a weaker form than when it's allowed to be the smaller version of the church and it's networked together so that's what you saw in the underground is is essentially um first admitting or agreeing that these smaller things are the church they're not they're not a, a um an inferior partial version of the church they are the church and then say okay well how do we how do we strengthen them how do we serve them how do we network them together so that they can also have some of the advantages of a larger community a larger expression of the church so I would actually call the underground an expression and call these, these smaller things the church. They are the church. And historically, the church has been small. So for 2,000 years, if you just look at the, the sociological evidence and you're, I don't know, you're an alien or something and you come down and you say, what's the church? Uh, you wouldn't, if you're just looking across history and across culture and time, you wouldn't think it's a big thing with loads of money and buildings and so on you would see it as something actually quite small. I think 60% of, of churches in the United States are less than 100 people. I think the average church in America at least is 75 people on a Sunday morning. That's the median number uh, of attenders. So even that, and, and I would say that number outside the United States is even smaller. Mm -hmm. So certainly would be true here in Ireland, but... I may, maybe even in the global south where the, where the church is really thriving and growing, it tends to be organizes itself into small units. So why is it that we, we have bought into this definition that the church needs to be 500 people? And we're all kind of shooting for that, or more, actually. Uh, where in the New Testament is that defined? Uh, why is that our... Why are we reaching for that? Why are we striving for that? It's not because we believe that that's the most effective approach, um, because at least I think the data would, would show it isn't the most effective approach. Um, but we keep yearning to be bigger, and maybe that desire to be bigger is um, not as holy 
as we think it is mm. or we thought it was. Um, and and I think it's true in the American church, probably not as true in the Irish church, um, at least not Protestant side of things, that we just, we have power issues. You know, we, we want to control things. We, we're not comfortable, really, with a system of church which we cannot guarantee quality control and we cannot guarantee doctrinal control and we cannot guarantee, I don't know, uniformity. So these, this approach, uh, this, this ecclesiology becomes very um, disruptive to those power systems. Mm -hmm. Um, and then traditionally the people that have kind of embraced house church or small church kind of movement, they tend to be kind of, I don't know, revolutionaries and they don't, they don't really play well with others. And they don't think about things like authority or organization or so on. And that's sad too. That's not good. That's, uh, that, that has its own problems. It carries with it its own problems. So somehow we need the, the organizational thinking, the strength of centralized collaboration, cooperation, and the freedom and virality and the beauty, frankly, of this sort of fractal version of the church, which is allowed to like just grow and be like loads and loads. Of, so if the church historically has been a small thing, why can't we just admit that and become very good at it? <clears throat> Focus our time, energy, resources, training, all of that to say, how do we do this really, really well? How do we become excellent at the small church, the version of the small church, uh, instead of striving to be bigger, always mm -hmm. striving to be bigger, <clears throat> and maybe, I don't know, ending up with a disappointing version of the small mm -hmm. church. We, we've not invested tons of resources in that. Um, <clears throat> and the, the, the people that are doing missional communities, I would just say, I mean, they're my, to me, they're micro churches anyway. So they are churches. And I would want, I would, I feel like we've just come up just slightly short of fully empowering them. Because once you give them the term, once you give them the word, mm. then all that that means, the sacred trust that's there, the sacramental life of the church is now given to them. Whereas if you just call them a group or, a cell or a community, you're, you're, you're still kind of holding back some of the, some of the precious sacred things of the church. So maybe it's communion or maybe mm -hmm. it's baptism or maybe it's ordination or something. You're just sort of saying you're, you're a good thing. You're, you're good for mission. You're contextual. We love that, but you're not really the church. And what, what part of what we want to do, what I want to do is say, no, you are the church. And so now you have to live up to that expectation in terms of leadership and character uh, eldership, that kind of thing. But also here are the sacred things of the church. Here's the sacramental life of the church. Go and, and, and live it, enjoy it. You know, mm -hmm. when you break bread, remember the broken body of Jesus, because you are, as it was passed on to you. So you now pass it on mm -hmm. to others, like be priests, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, rather than just leaders, you know, some sort of secularized thing. Yeah. I think, it's very evident to see how microchurches, when someone discovers their calling, that they may uh, engage with a people group or an area 
really well missionally, and I think that's true of most microchurches in um, in the underground. How how would you answer the question? Because I think sometimes missional communities, microchurches, do mission really well, but the way we we and churches generally don't do mission well or don't know how to engage but we tend to do pastoral care discipleship well because it's very centralized we put on a course we do the alpha course we do these courses everyone's part of we disseminate information to all our small groups they all do that pastoral care is strategic and thought through how how what does pastoral care what does discipleship mm. look like in micro churches it's interesting i mean it's hard to answer that question because i think microchurches have such a freedom and diversity to express themselves in every context in which they work. So if you're, if you're a microchurch of like middle school boys, uh, it's going to be slightly different version of pastoral care and community than say a microchurch of ex cons or, you know, people that used to be incarcerated or I don't know, people in recovery or people with mental illness or, I mean, it's just the beauty, the diversity mm. of allowing mission to shape the formation of the church in various places also means that discipleship and pastoral care will be something actually very customized. And <clears throat> so do we see similarities in that discipleship journey? Yes. That's one of the things we talk, I talk about in the book is kind of like you do kind of see commonalities to the discipleship journey, but man, the way it expresses itself, what discipleship really needs to look like, what pastoral care looks like, can be vastly, vastly different and creative. Actually. And that's it's so it's very much up to the context and the people group that you're dealing with, but also the responsibility, the onus is on that microchurch leader to totally ensure that that is happening as well. Totally, and a lot of this stuff is is less anxious, frankly. So when you're the when you're the pastor of a hundred people in a church, you just feel like their whole their spiritual life, their emotional life, their their development is all on you. You're the one paid person and you have a hundred people that you're trying to shepherd. And that just feels overwhelming. And you end up doing a poor job of it anyway because one person's not meant to do that. But when you actually or reorganize the church into groups of, I don't know, something smaller, like 20s, 30s, that kind of that size, you know, say 10 to 50 people, let's call that a market church. <clears throat> suddenly they look after each other. Pastoral care is not something that's assigned to one person. Mm -hmm. It becomes, it becomes a, 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 I don't know, a, an sort of embodiment of the belief in community, this sort of koinonia that was promised to us in the fellowship with Jesus' sufferings and in our connection with each other, that suddenly it's just happening naturally. In fact, a lot of the beauty and the power of a microchurch is that the church is itself in a non-anxious way, in the, in a most natural way possible, that nobody actually has to come up with a five-step discipleship plan people disciple each other mm. nobody has to create accountability systems we're all in each other's lives and i just saw i see the way you talk to your wife i gotta mm. talk to you about mm. that so what's going on with you guys and what's going on with you and discipleship just begins to happen without all that programming mm. stuff i think that's part of the power of it is that it is less anxious and it's less uh, pressurized and it may be in the end the result while it's harder to kind of codify or say what what was your journey what was your your discipleship steps or something maybe people would struggle in many cases microchurches would struggle to describe that or define it but it's happening sometimes it's happening in a more profound and clear way than even programs that are trying to run everybody in the church through a certain program or something which never really actually works mm -hmm. um but something like care um to assign care 
to one person is really problematic, and it's not even necessarily biblical. Instead, the idea that we share each other's burdens, that we love each other, that we're just connected and, and in life together, and suddenly the burdens of each other or the burdens of the community be, is, is equally distributed. It's never fully equal, but it's, it's shared to a greater extent because relationships are just healthier and more natural. I mean, I, I think that's, it's almost like the wrong question. We're asking, we have to ask the questions, what is your discipleship process? How do you do pastoral care? How do you deal with doctrine? They're at, people are asking those questions because they've never really seen microchurches thriving. That's the wrong questions. Like, I definitely think there are challenges to microchurches. Those aren't the ones. Taking care of each other is not the challenge. Mm -hmm. Not really. It's it's though those are the questions that the the middle medium sized kind of version of the church is wrestling with. So they think, well, how could you know if we're struggling with this, they must be struggling with it too, but not necessarily. You've been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis. This is the end of episode one of our September edition. Simon and Brian continue discussing microchurches in episode two, also available now on Mission Disco Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Praxis Movement or online at praxismovement.ie.